Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center of Governance, and I have the pleasure of sitting down today with Andrea Clack rogers Bernardo to discuss transformative impacts on corporate governance within the consumer products and retail industries. Andrea's work has touched on many of the biggest trends in consumer and retail over the last few years. With experience in chief strategy as an officer and general manager roles at Macy's and Williams-Sonoma portfolio of brands, Andrea has overseen acquisitions, new brand and business development, and critical business transformations driving profitability and revenue. Andrea's accomplishments include leading WSI's historic acquisition of Outward Inc., which expanded the company into retail tech and launching the company's first microbrands. Andrea is on the board of directors for Umcor Bank, and she's been honored as one of the most influential women in Bay Area business. Andrea, welcome to our program today, and we're really excited to have you here with us. So very glad to speak to you today. So Thank maybe- you. It's an honor to be invited here. <laughs> well, I would love our audience to hear about your journey as an operator. I think you have an exciting experience to share with us. Well, I've been really fortunate that I think my role as an operator and as a board member, uh, those experiences have lead, have lead together very well, um, especially given where we are today. Well, I've spent the last several years leading strategy for these really great and iconic uh, brand portfolios. And that's included everything from mergers, acquisitions, investments, strategic partnerships, and then also incubating brands and businesses in-house. I started my career uh, doing finance and advising on strategic growth options, both from a financial perspective and management consulting. And so when this ties into um, my role as a board director, it's about bringing all of those experiences to the forefront, uh, bringing in that customer perspective into the boardroom, while also understanding the enterprise approach that boards take uh, to how they, they help guide and what they serve as representing the stakeholders in the company. Do you think that by being both an operator and a board member, concurrently. So you're, you're serving in your day job as an operator and then you're, you know, kind of side gig, if you will, is, is being a board director. How does that help you in both roles or does it help you? Well, it, I think it certainly does help. Um, but there's also a very common challenge you might've heard of where, uh, as a board director, you are certainly not expected to be an operator. You, have a great CEO, you probably have an incredibly talented management team, and so they're the operators day-to-day of that business. Uh, For me, it's about tying in my unique experiences. So for me, it's about understanding the consumer perspective or how deals are done or even some of the enterprise risk aspects, what I experience of that in my operating role that I can then 
up level into the boardroom to help uh, shape the conversation for other board directors or even uh, for the management and CEO from the perspective of a different industry. It's a really fine line uh, to not be an operator in the boardroom, but it's incredibly important. All right, so I'm going to pick your brain in a, a little further in a minute, but I do want to first maybe touch on your your deep experience in the retail industry and, and get your views on the transformation taking place and disruptions that are in, impacting retail and consumer product industries. Because I, I believe you have a quite interesting take on this and from the maybe from the perspective of the customer and other stakeholders. Sure, um, and I'll start by just sharing, I think, a quick story that helps to conceptualize this. Of course, prior to COVID, because COVID has changed so many things. Um, but prior to COVID, one of the biggest disruptors we were talking about were uh, what we called uh, digital native brands, or which really means brands that were started online and most of their business was being conducted online, usually smaller brands. Um, and you've probably seen them before. They have a really cool minimalist website. They have some clever communication around how they cut out the middleman. Um, and then they have just a limited set of products saying, hey, we're only going to bring you this finest, small assortment. And what was really working was how they communicated with the customer. So if you get to the core, you're cutting out all of the, the gloss of fancy commercials or sorting through pages and pages of products online. But really, uh, it was about giving confidence in the product. And you know this, uh, Amy, I can only imagine how many emails you get a day when it comes <laughs> to... Uh, and so it was really about cutting through all of the noise to say, I know you're being saturated. Here's the one best thing you need. And so when we talk about the trends, I think so many of the trends are getting around this core need of how do I help you find out what you need right now because you are saturated. So what we're seeing um, is a bigger focus on personal personalization. And this means really when you come to my website, when you come to my store, how can I help you find what you need even sooner? So hopefully I have some information and data on your previous history that can tell me what you like so I can surface that up much sooner. But then also there are options around augmented reality because you want to know how this dress, how this sofa looks on you in your space. That's really about you and not in this beautiful catalog I've designed. We're also thinking about options around virtual styling. Again, getting at this core of what is right for you. And so in stores, you're used to going in, working with someone directly. How are we bringing these necessary experiences online so you don't miss anything while many of the stores are either limited on capacity or closed? And then another option is around customer service. And it's the same thing around how can I help you either understand the product better, complete a service, or in many cases, you might just be wondering, hey, I'm trying to find gifts for my dad. How can we help you do this in a really service-oriented way online? So it's all about getting to the core of what you need and what you need faster. There are a lot of trends, but I think uh, that's really what they're all looking to solve right now. So let me pick up on one thing you just said, because when we were talking about pulling this together, you did mention an acquisition you were involved in. So I'd love to hear that because it, it might surprise people to hear when you when you talk about the company and, and how it was utilized, because I think it highlights one of your points you just made. So tell us about your Williams-Sonoma acquisition. 
Absolutely. Uh, so a few years ago, Williams-Sonoma acquired a company called Outward, an augmented reality company. And some of you might say, what? A retailer purchasing a technology company, augmented reality? How does this tie together? In its simplest form, if any of you have ever shopped for a sofa, you might remember going into the store, you see this beautiful sofa. Oh, wait, but it's not in the color you want. And so then you get this binder of swatches. And it is on you to understand how this tiny little square swatch looks across this huge sofa. And really, that um, is a customer pain point, whether we admit it or not. And so it's about giving you the confidence in augmented reality. I can now show you how this item looks in the exact color you want in the space you want. And you can even expand that to clothing and other items. How does this look on a certain uh, body type or shape? And it's about giving you that confidence, especially when purchasing online, but in purchasing in any other venue, that this is closer to what you need. And for uh, companies that have so many great benefits, um, your conversion might be sooner, or even you might have reduced return rates, or even if you think about the time you wait for your package, it's not as much of a frustration by not knowing if this is the item that will be right for you when it arrives. And we've all have made those mistakes. So especially when it comes <laughs> to furniture, which you tend to live with for several years because you can't bring yourself to admit you've made that mistake. So I totally appreciate <laughs> that and love that technology has allowed us to, to do a better job in um, not second guessing ourselves. So thank you for that story. But let me, let me switch gears a little bit. So from a governance perspective, what issues do you expect to see um, in terms of the greatest evolution in the near term with respect to retail and consumer products? Uh, like many trends, there's so many um, right now. I think the obvious is probably how we're responding in uh, COVID and either um, social injustice and so many other things that have taken place this year. Uh, but I can think of a few areas where it's really important and it's been consistent. Sustainability um, has been a huge topic and it's sustainability uh, from the beginning to the end. So if you think about how you're sourcing products and the waste and the inventory in your factories, and then that flows all the way through to your end customer, even when they decide to dispose. And this is where the topic of re-commerce means uh, has uh, really risen. And that means uh, you're possibly reselling items or giving credit or however your organization might look at it. So um, sustainability has shown up and that really shows up in many of the topics we're having in the boardroom around ESG. Uh, there are also increasing topics, especially if we as we move to more online e-commerce sales around data privacy, especially as we're looking at collecting your information and personalizing and targeting information, which really becomes an enterprise risk discussion in the boardroom. And then one of the uh, topics that, I, that has been especially evident this year, uh, not necessarily increasingly in, in importance because it's always been important, but this is really around diversity at all levels, um, but especially reflected in management executive teams as well as the boardroom. You wanna make sure that your leadership is reflective of your stakeholder groups, that there is someone in the room that looks like your customers can understand that perspective, that there is someone in the room that um, your employees can see also reflective of them and the opportunity to move ahead and really understand that from a talent and stakeholder perspective. And then of course your shareholders. So those are just a few topics that 
that seem like they're really a core kind of business operational issue, but that's how they tie back into the boardroom, sustainability, privacy, leadership, and talent development. Now, I, th- I, I agree with all of your points. And I, and I think the last point you just made, I, I've had a number of conversations with boards over the last several years in particular about just that is, does your boardroom reflect your stakeholders? And a lot of times that answer is no. And it's very interesting when you start seeing how investors, how stakeholders, how consumers, how others are looking at these companies and saying, you know, if you don't have that diversity of thought and perspective that reflects those broad groups that you're serving, how do you operate fully as a board? How do you get, how do you bring that perspective if it's not already there into the boardroom? So I think that's a really important conversation that needs to be had by more companies. So I'm, I'm so glad you raised that as a topic. So I, I guess on that note, how do you see directors needing to evolve their processes or conduct or as we were just talking about and really <laughs> ensuring that they continually educate themselves um, to be effective stewards of governance? I was uh, listening to a speech given by Anita Sands in 2008. She is a prominent board director. Um, she sits on several boards. But one of the, the main points of her speech was that if the average board tenure is, let's say, 12 years, um, for some people, this means that uh, they join the board before a lot of the current really priority trends that are taking place now. And she jokes, some people might even have joined the board before the iPhone became popular. (laughs) And while that doesn't mean that um, the board members have not kept up, it is a possibility that they have not. And so uh, when I take that forward, that means a few things around how we think about evolving our governance and our processes and our communication in the boardroom. Um, naturally, we think about the ongoing training, uh, how you are staying up to speed, not only on how the business that you sit on the, the board for is operating, but also how well are you aware of the industry and the factors that are shaping the industry so you can help continue um, to really be effective in guiding that discussion and the response in the way that board directors do. Also, there's a a thought around the relevant experience in your current role. So many board directors, full-time operators, others are retired, others uh, do consulting, but there's an opportunity to rethink about as you refresh your board, what are the experiences that we need now that we might not have needed 10 years ago? And then also um, there's an opportunity to say, when it comes to the committees, how do we structure the committees? In many cases in meetings, it depends, it doesn't matter whether you're on the board or an executive team, you might find that you're standing meeting, you're discussing the same set of topics at every meeting or every time of year. And how are you looking at, okay, what else do we need to add to the discussion? But also, are there just some topics that are no longer as important? So maybe we don't need to discuss them quarterly. Maybe we take that down to semi-annually or even once a year. And so I say that to say there's opportunity just to think about the discussions, the topics, and how they're relevant. Um, And then the two other things I'll mention first is just the rotation of voices in the boardroom. Board meetings tend to be incredibly impactful, but also incredibly confidential because there are so many topics that are high stakes. But as your company evolves, do you need to hear from either your chief marketing officer or your 
chief uh, human resources officer more often just given the circumstances that are surrounding your business are taking place. And then uh, the final topic that many boards uh, likely do is, is around strategic planning. And this is, uh, can be very specific or it can be very vague depending on where you are. But I think this year has shown us that um, there are things that can happen in the world that we likely never would have planned for or expected. I certainly couldn't have expected that 2020 would be what it has been. And so there's also an opportunity to say in the board, okay, how do we think about our playbook and really stretch that conversation of possibilities so you know that if something else drastic happens and your company needs to respond, what are the levers that you can quickly pull? So I mentioned a lot, but I'll sum it up around um, ongoing training, relevant experience, how your committees are looking at topics, who is in the boardroom and the conversations that you're having, and then the strategic planning process. Now, all excellent, excellent points. And, and I that last point on strategic planning, I think everybody is starting to talk more and more and more about truly scenario planning. If they're not doing that already, they're certainly doing it now. And it's something that's, you know, it's going to continue as, as the pace of business changes, as, you know, unexplained things like this here happen. Um, you know, I think it's just the nature of it. So, so let's turn to a final area that probably is a little bit more fun to discuss. So we're recording this in mid-November. It's probably not going to be dropped until after Thanksgiving, but we all know there's several weeks before the holiday, the peak holiday season. So maybe just uh, a prior to the normal peak holiday shopping season, I'd love to know what trends that you're seeing happening over the next several weeks and months. So what we should be, you know, buckling ourselves up for. There's so many trend books out there. So I am going to give you some of my personal predictions because this is a year like we have never seen before. Um, I do think that there's still a desire to celebrate, uh, even if people aren't meeting in as large groups as they previously were. So I think when it comes to holiday shopping, we will see more purchases of um, novelty items to increase the intimacy of the groups. And I mean emotional intimacy rather than the physical touch and, and closeness uh, given social distancing guidelines. And thank you we'll for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also see, um, just given also the, the economic uncertainty to some degree, we might see a, a focus on value and functional items when it comes to gift giving, um, less on the novelty, possibly less on luxury, but more on value, function, things you can use. And related to that, over the entire year, there's been a, a fun new term coined by um, many purveyors of the retail industry called health hype, which means people are really investing in their homes. And so we might even see that when it comes to gift giving, more purchases around home items, things that make you feel great with the increased amount of time we are spending indoors. I do think that uh, we'll also see more of an expansion to influencers and celebrities to fill that personal touch. Um, you and I talked earlier about the barrage of emails that we're all receiving. And so I think brands and companies alike will be looking for more ways to really have a voice that helps to shape the conversation and to put into context. And then finally, um, games technology will always be important, but increasingly so. And so we will be looking at these experiential items online uh, to help shape some of the, the products and holiday trends. 
And then I think for all of us, uh, here's a, a bonus tip. Make sure you shop early. Uh, it's been quite common, it's quite common discussion to look at uh, shipping options and understanding that there's more shipping going on uh, than ever. So how can we shop early? Right. No, excellent point. And I will be really annoyed if anyone in my family is listening to this and gets me a vacuum for Christmas. So I do not <laughs> want that. I would much, I'm much more the staycation planning type. So please get me out of my current bubble and, you know, treat me to a staycation type of thing. That's just, that's Maybe my, my nice Christmas list. For a blanket. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I want to thank you for that. And just for those of you in the retail space, I encourage you all to check out BDO's 60 Second Retail Podcast Series, which is available on BDO.com. But Andrea, I want to really thank you for your time and your great observations and sharing your experiences with us today. I'd love to have you back if you're willing to do so. And want to wish you and your family a wonderful holiday season. And to you and to all of your listeners, um, I wish you all the same. And uh, to 2021, looking for even more trends and opportunities to enhance our, our governance. Excellent. Well, thank you again. And thank you to our listeners. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash bdo knows governance.